This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I am so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, you have the chance to win one of three Equalizer Bluetooth headphones. Perfect for listening to the podcast, listening to YouTube or your favorite music while you're working out. All you need to do is rate and review and subscribe to the show. Then hit the link down below in the show notes. It'll let me know that you've done that and you're in the draw to win. So let's go check out today's episode. Hello, hello, beautiful people. I am back with another episode and another interview. Today, I'm chatting with Con Prokos. Con is a Greek Australian who is an entrepreneur. He is a certified neurolimbic conditioning mindset coach. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? But his most valued title is that of being a dad. Now, Con and his wife, Mari, are the proud owners of Prokos Personal Training in Adelaide, South Australia. Uh, It's a a boutique gym and wellness center teaching people how to do fitness differently. Now, since becoming a personal trainer in 2014, Con and Prokos Personal Trainer have gone from strength to strength, helping countless people feel good about themselves again. Con has helped men deal with addiction and actually get off Ice. So he's got a massive, massive story and he believes that anything is possible if you actually believe in yourself. So he really fits in with my philosophy of change one life, change many. Now, his love of teaching and learning has allowed him to connect with every member in his gym and offer them precisely what they need and when they need it. He's not a personal trainer. He is so much more than that. I can't wait for you to listen to everything that we share on this episode. He's an incredibly passionate person who really is just out there living life by design, but also having a massive impact on people's lives because of the experiences and the story that he had for himself, a story of of being overweight, of addiction, of pain and trauma. So hope you enjoy this episode and love to hear your feedback. When we came in here, my first goal was obviously to just survive. Mm-hmm. So my business model was simply move from good life and open up a studio and just come. So instead of people seeing me at good life, they come and see me here and they go back to good life. That lasted two weeks until I realized that this ain't going to work. Yeah. So I had my hand, sort of my head, hand in my heads. Yeah, I didn't know where I was going with it. I, was, I didn't want to tell Mari that I didn't know what I was doing anymore. Yeah. Um, and then just one day I sort of broke and I just said, I don't know what I'm doing anymore, Murray. Um, yeah. I've lost it. And she goes, you're too focused on everyone you lost and you're not looking out the window. She was 100% right. Uh, I mean, part of me and what, you know, what makes me good at what I do is building the, uh, the uh, relationships that I do with my clients. So losing half of them hurt me 
Um, but I know people aren't going to train with, with you forever, but I mean, 90% of them said they were going to move over with me and it didn't happen. Yeah. So then I was trying to focus on that um, and I wasn't looking out the window. Do you feel that, that you, you took that quite personally? Because I didn't take it personally as it hurt me, as in, um, you know, why do these people let me down? I took it as in, shit, this isn't going to work anymore. Yeah. I had, you know, I've just lost 50% of my clientele. My outgoings have gone up 300%. Mm-hmm. My business plan's gone out the window. Hell, what do I do? So yeah. I didn't take it personally as in, I, I know people aren't always going to train with you. I never take any of that personally because I know it, it's, you know, as strong as I build relationships, it's not always going to be forever. Um, That's right. I, wasn't, I didn't even message him or text him. I mean, Good Life have a, have a code there where you can't anyway. So I just mm-hmm. left it for what it was and it is what it is. But it ended up being a blessing because I started, you know, looking outside. And ever since that perspective changed, I got, uh, you know, we're up to 150 members now. My goal to begin with was just to last one year. Like obviously, like everyone says, the first year is the hardest to open up both rooms because we only had one room to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that happened within the first two weeks. That was yeah. a year's goal. So the business plan changed within two weeks. I knew I had to open up a gym. And I didn't want to open up a gym like a corporate. I'm never going to be able to match corporates. Yeah, they're huge. Uh, and I don't want that. I wanted to be everything that they're not to give people um, a safe, non-intimidating, non-judgmental space to come and mm-hmm. do their work. And maybe, uh, look, I'm, I'm aware that a lot of our clients are sort of people that do lack a little bit of confidence and they don't like that uh, the big commerciality gyms. I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of mirrors for that reason in, in my gym. And look, my whole purpose is to empower people to live an inspired life through fitness, health and mindset. So... I wanted to create a space where the energy was right for that. And you really are doing it from, from all accounts, from what I can see, you are inspiring many people. We're not only doing it, we're living it. We're living it. Yeah. I see yeah. that through your social media with, with your family, you know, your whole, the kids are all involved in a healthy and fit lifestyle. And, you know, um, congratulations on pivoting after those first couple of weeks of going, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, my business plan has just gone out the window, but you you pivoted really quickly, which how um, how important do you think pivoting so quickly was to the success of your business, to the survival to start Huge. with? So what I, what I tend to, look, you've got to be flexible and you've got to be able to think on your feet. I, I've come from a business background. So I saw my parents, I grew, grew up in the back of a fish and chip shop. You know, my parents bought a, a shop when I was 12 years old and we lived in the back of the shop. It was a three bedroom. You know, it was lucky if the room was 12 by 12 and that's what we lived in. Um, every day I'd see my parents from 8pm to 9pm work every day Um, and what I learned just by observing was um, they were very regimented in what they did they weren't flexible Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously the recession came and and that hit us pretty hard Um, and in the end it ended up being 17 years and it was just a survival in the end and you know look I know they did their best they could but they didn't do things smart so going back to the question is what I learned from that is you've got to you've got to adapt you've got to be adaptable yeah. Uh, if something's not working, you've got to you've got to uh, shift. You've got to move. You've got to change. You've got to ask people that you know have know what um, been through it. Um, and all too often, again, I look at patterns and the way I think and the way I observe the world. I just see patterns and I'll say, look, the people that aren't successful, I tend to see that are very rigid in their way of thinking and very ego driven. So they'll say, no, well, this is going to work because I said it was going to work. And I'm not changing from it. Um, and I tend to find those people sort of get stuck because they're just they're going to. They're going to do what they say they're going to do and they're not going to move with the times or, or, or flex. So that was super important that, um, you know, I, I, I made that change. But again, I've got to, re- I've got to be grateful for the, the people that are around me. I've got such a great community. Yeah. Um, you know, I can draw so I can ring up any one of them. They're all business orientated people. I mean, I, I reckon per capita as a gym, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the amount of income that some of these clients are making 
that we wouldn't be probably in, I don't know, it would be pretty high up. There's a lot of millionaires that train here. Yeah. Um, so in saying that, what I mean is I've got a lot of intelligent people and smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not scared to ask the question. Um, in the past, every time I've got anything wrong, it's when I've tried to work it all out myself. So these days I've become a master at help, asking for help. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if something's not working, if something's not, not going the way I want it to go, I'll, I've got these resources to ask these people and they're always going to give me the, their advice and I'm always going to go with it. Um, obviously, if I agree with it, um, but most of nine times out of ten, I, I, I adapt and go with it. And, and then we get the uh, we get the response that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. You've made some really, really good points there for people in business and in life, going back to being adaptable and shifting and pivoting and doing it really quickly, because that obviously meant that your business initially survived and now is yeah. actually growing and doing so well to the point that you've you know gone and bought the building and you said you had it down on your goals. How long did you give yourself to be able to be in the position to buy the building, which you've now done in, was it a year and a half, you said? A year and a half, so five okay. years. So that was in five five years. So five years was when when we done the lease. I, I was um I did the lease over a one plus one plus one plus one because I didn't want to lock myself in if it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smart. But I was very strategic in that. I didn't want to put down five years because if I put down five years, it would have made it. And, and if they sold it, it would have looked obviously a, a lot more attractive to someone else to buy. And obviously the value of the building would have gone up because mm-hmm. I always had the purchasing the building. As my goals, I needed to be smart to make sure that if anyone else wanted to buy it, that the lease doesn't look strong to anyone mm-hmm. else. Look, they knew I wanted it and they could see how much work I've put into the building. Mm-hmm. And I, when they rang me up first, they got, obviously gave me first dibs to it. I wasn't ready and I said, I, I can't do it. I, I can't afford it. I'm not ready. I then rang up my account and I said, this is what's going on. Uh, and I put it all down to Adrian Belperia. I will give him a shout out. That he's, he's amazing. He's been my accountant. Um, he's made miracles happen. I didn't believe I could do this. We could do this. So I rang him up. I said, Adrian, they put it on the market. You know, what am I going to do? So he goes, first thing, lock down the uh, lease, which we already did. So mm-hmm. no one could buy it and kick us out. Second, he goes, how much equity do you have in your house? So I told him, he goes, mate, you, you can do this. And then I was just scratching my head going, yeah, are you sure? He goes, let's go for it. Yep. So all we did is we had a crack. We got pre-approved for the right amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, this is going too easy. This is great. And then when it came to the crunch, it went to the credit department. That's when all the stuff went bad. So um, we got we got pre-approved, but we were ninety thousand dollars short. Okay. So what did you do? Uh, oh well, what didn't I do? I saved. I saved. So that brought it down to about seventy grand. Mm-hmm. So when you I said you saved, because people are going to be listening and going, okay, how did you do oh, this? Well, so I just stopped. I stopped paying everything. Mm-hmm. So I obviously paid. I paid. I mean, um, utility bills, but I stopped paying rent. Because obviously I was going to buy it from the owners anyway, and I knew that if I stopped paying rent, they're only going to add it to the um, the top the top number at the end. Mm-hmm. So that was saving me a fortune in, in rent a, a, a week. Um, three times I um, rang up my I've got great cousins. I've got one cousin that's awesome in business, um, owns a couple of service stations, and he's he's amazing. He's amazing in uh, supporting me, amazing in his mindset. Um, and I always had him to talk 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 about. His name's Peter. Um, so again, going back to the people uh, in my corner, I had Mark as well, Mark Thompson, that's one of our um, trainers here. Um, and I always just said, I, you know, how am I going to do this? And in the end, it came to I didn't have enough money. And, yeah. and uh, I remember one Monday, I just broke and I go, it's not going to happen. Um, I sort of gave up because I tried every avenue. I yeah. tried um, Mari getting a loan. I, uh, my parents aren't in a position to help me. Um, 
I wasn't going to lease my car out. I wasn't going to put the car because obviously that's something that means a lot to me. So I wasn't going to do these things, even though everyone told me to do that with a car. That's another story. Look, Let's in the tell end, people I, what car you're talking about, please, because these are cars that I love. And for anyone who so loves them, the XYGT, yeah, the XYGT that's, that's a, that was my first car when I was 16. And I sold it when I was 22. And of everything that I've ever done in life, that's the only thing I've ever regretted. And why did and, you regret that? Because uh, that was the, that was the love of my life. I built that car. I built that car, and look, I, I sold it because I got married, obviously to my ex-wife, and that that marriage didn't go too well. So that was part of it. Second of all, every time I saw one, I was just broken. So me and my kids used to just go to Semaphore just to look at them, and in yeah. the end, I couldn't even bear to even look at one. I lost all the connection with my friends with those cars, going to the drags, I lost it all. Um, the opportunity arose and, and I saw it with the gym and the reason I bought it is because the gym used to be my outlay, used to be my my place where I could de-stress, go mm-hmm. work out, but it became my business, it became my home. Um, and then I saw it real, real clearly that I didn't have a, a, a go-to and escape anymore. An outlet, so, a hobby. An, an outlet. And I said to myself, well, what's the point of working, you know, it, it, to not enjoy it? Exactly not to do these things that we've always want to do. And I, I, I don't want to live with regret. That's the only thing I ever had as regret. I've done a lot of crazy things, but I've learned from every single one of them. Mm-hmm. The car was a massive hole in my heart. And, and a friend pulled me aside, uh, Gavin, a few years ago, and he saw it. He goes, mate, you've got a hole in your heart, um, you know, and he made me aware of it. I knew it, but for him to see it. Um, and I just I just said to Mari, look, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to track my car back and I'm going to buy it back. And uh, I was fortunate enough to find it in Melbourne and I bought the car back. So wow. it wasn't something I was going to let go ever again. So, yeah, yeah, I totally I, understand that. That's why I wanted you to share that part of, you know, the yeah, significance of the car and the story behind it. The way I got it back was the way I even left it. It was it was like whoever bought it, I knew it had two two people since I sold it to, but mm-hmm. it's like they left it in a garage and didn't touch it. So yeah. I don't know one of them. I know Robert looked after it, so thank you, Robert. But there was another guy in the middle of it. I haven't met him, but I'd love to take him for a coffee and thank him. But mm-hmm. the car was in exact same condition as I, I left it. Um, and just to have that back in my life, uh, it just meant everything. And there was no way I was going to sell that or or even jeopardise getting using that just to get the money. So that was that was off the cards. What I, I ended up... In, just to put it in I, context um, for a second, Con, 16, you bought it. 22, you sold it. You, you know, you decided that you wanted it back. It was something that really meant a lot to you. So most people can relate to these sorts of things in their life. It doesn't have to be a car. It can be something else, even a relationship. But... What's it? How many years between you selling it at 22 to now? Because obviously people don't know your age. How many years did it take you to um, finally so get back? Turned 41 on Sunday. Uh, I bought it back. I bought it back last year. So 22, 18 years. Yeah, there you go, people. 18 years. Here's the crazy part. I sold the car. I sold the car for twelve thousand dollars in 2004, mm-hmm. and now it's insured for 125 thousand. Yeah. Wow. How much that car went up, which made it, which hurt me even more, knowing that I had one of those cars. But yeah. again, this thing's priceless to me. Um, you know, my aim for it, you know, one day I'm going to die. I just I'll sell it, and and hopefully it sets up the kids with 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 some equity by a house as well. Um, yeah. and I just want to make sure that car's leading me to my funeral. It's that it's the front car, and then I've got. I the love this story. <laughs> one because I love these cars, and two because you know. You, you decided you were going to get it back and you tracked it down and you did it. So the power of, of belief know, and mind and goals. I've learned. Everything that I've always said, I've achieved it because I've said it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, believe, though, because people say they're going to achieve things and they don't always do that. So what do you think the difference is? And I know we've gone a little off track. We'll go back to the business. Yeah, but 
what do you think the difference is between someone like yourself who goes, right, I'm going to do this and actually do it? Because a lot of people out there will say, yeah, I want to do this or I'm going to, but they don't. What's the difference? Right. What do you think? Drive and courage. Yeah, courage is huge, isn't I'm, it? I'm, I'm, I'm so driven that, you know, sometimes I need to take a step back just to relax and, and self-belief and courage. And I just, uh, again, I've just observed um, a lot of other people a lot of other people know what they need to do, and that's just the courage, the self-belief, and the self-worth that gets knocked around. I've failed more times than I've ever succeeded, and each time I've learned um, and come back better. But um, you know, I've just have a lot of courage. It's not arrogant, it's not ego, it's just courage. Um, and when I get things wrong, I'm the first person to put my hand up, and because I'm adaptable, if something's not working, I'll find a way. I remember when I opened up my gym, um, one of my uh, mentors, which is my cousin Johnny. He said, "Cuz you'll never fail because you're the type of bloke that will always find a way," and that meant so much to me. Yeah. Um. And again, any time that I sort of struggled, I just went back to that, and and I still go back to that now. Yeah. So I'm a type of guy that always find a way, regardless. Have you always been like that, or has that is that something that you have learnt over time and trained yourself in over time? I think I've always been like courage. So, courage, no. Courage, no. I had a lot of. I mean, depression. My self worth was ruined. Um, self-esteem I mean being overweight um, being cheated on your pride and ego as a man was just mm-hmm. slashed off um, that's something I've really worked on um, as in drive absolutely I've always been driven my goal as a, as a kid was to be a professional soccer player I used to train three to four hours every day mm-hmm. um, so the drive's always been there um, you know doing Mojo's courses and 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 reading a lot about Demartini um, I now see that the benefit of me failing as a soccer player was actually a blessing because now it's taught me to be a personal trainer. I've got longevity now. So mm-hmm. even though that caused me depression at the time when I was 23 and realised I wasn't going to make it, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here today as a 41-year-old helping other people because I would have never have known what failure felt like. Yeah. Hence why I, I, I hate you failure. I hate, I hate losing. I mean, I'll do whatever it takes. I mean, I, I play fair as well, but I'll do whatever it takes to win. So, um I think, I mean, I put that stuff out into the, the world, into the universe. I always said to Murray that I'll buy it back. Um, and she always said, you know, you probably won't. And that just drove, but in an encouraging way, you know, she didn't want me to just set myself up for failure. Um, but that really just dr- drove me more to get it back. Um, and, yeah, I think, again, it's I said to myself that I was going to buy the gym. I said to myself that I was going to open up a gym. I said to myself I was going to buy the car. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important. You've got to listen to what you're telling yourself and what you're putting out in the universe. And I think for a lot of us, um, the self-negative talk is horrendous. And that's one of my things that I say with new clients and just people in my community. If if I spoke to you in the same way you speak to yourself, you'd punch me in the head and tell me to F off. That is a really good point. You would. Does that really and, bring uh, it home for them? Do they just have this, this yeah, realisation? Yeah, they do. They have an aha moment. And I say it. I mean, can we swear here? or? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I say, look, if, if I if I speak to you the same way you speak to yourself, you'd punch me in the head and tell me to fuck off. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I said, then what gives you the right to do that to yourself? You wouldn't allow me to do it, so what gives you the right to do that? And then they sort of think about it. I said, it's got to stop. And I simply say, if there's one thing that I can change in this world, it's that. It's people hating on themselves from the inside out. And I think if we can have self-compassion and self-love from, from ourselves, within ourselves, and, and I know we've gone off topic, and we will go back to the business, but... What I mean with that is if a friend ever rings you up, going through a hard time, you'd offer them support. You'd give them some uh, options on how to help themselves. You'll be there. You're encouraging them. We don't do that for ourselves. 
No, we're so tough on ourselves. Moment we fail, we 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 sit there. We'll, we'll I don't know we'll say some horrendous, crazy things about ourselves to ourselves. And I believe the body's listening. The body's listening, and it's and it's very hurtful to your spirit, to your soul, to the people around you. Um, and believe me, I used to do a lot of that to the point where I used to physically even bash myself because I hated the things that I did. I didn't hate myself, yeah. just the things I couldn't stop doing for, through addiction. Um, and then I just learned to to love who I am. Now, I know if I go on social media and I, you know, for instance, put a post out and say, I love who I am, I'm going to be frowned upon and look, what a dickhead he is. He loves himself. But it's not about that. I just think a lot of people are taught, we're, we're not taught to love ourselves. No, we're um, taught that it's, it's wrong, um, it's taboo, it's selfish to love yourself. Yeah. So one of my catch cries really is, you know, it's not selfish, it's selfless to take yeah. care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. Anyone who's listened to the podcast has heard it several times. But why is it that people feel like you're doing the wrong thing to actually prioritize the most important person in the world which is yourself because you can't help anyone else out there including your family if you're not taking care of you first it's crazy i mean you see that with parents and their their, their own health um you know and 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 that's where i get you know like 90 percent of my clients are parents and they'll come in here and they're not feeling too flash but I'll, i'll just stop them in their tracks and i'll say look your family's going well yes my family's never been better Business going well, yet my business has never been making more money. I've never been happier. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, in general, is life going great? Yep. What's the only thing that you're not happy with? I'm not happy with the way I feel. I'm not happy with the way I look. Yeah. All right. Just understand that the rest of your values have gone up. It's just been at the detriment of your health, and that's okay. We're here to fix that now. Yeah. So I just make sure that just feel positive about things because your, your values do change in life. And, and if everything is going well, and look, it's the truth that there's going to be a time in your life where, where your health is going to go on the back burner if you've got kids, if you've got family, if you've got mortgages, if you've got work. Um, and a lot of my clients are, are, are come from that. They're very successful in business. Their families are great. It's mm-hmm. just been a detriment of their, of, of their health. You know, they're 10, 20 kilos overweight. And I said, in the, in the scheme of things, mate, look, it's fine. Yeah. We'll work on 10 to 20 kilos and you're going to be fantastic. The, the great thing is the rest of your life's fantastic. Yeah. So I get them. I get a bit of a mind shift straight away there. Mm-hmm. So it's not so negative. Um, and just then get them to be grateful for everything that's great in their life as well. And not straight come away from, coming coming from that place of gratitude is so powerful, isn't it? It's huge. And it, look, that's something that I I actively work on every day. And I mean, you know, I, I'm not depressed anymore, but I still have traits of it. Um, yeah. And I think it's always going to be with me all the time. I think once you've gone through depression, it's not something that just goes away. Um, I mean, I don't use anything, take anything, but I do have my down days. Yeah. So I do you want to yeah, do want to talk, get into your story and your backstory with everything that you you have gone through? But if we can just go back to finishing yeah. off your story about how you came up with the rest of the money to make your goal and your dream of owning your business a reality, and then I want to step into talking about your backstory because I think it is so powerful and so relevant right, to me. So uh, we um well eighty thousand dollars short. I um I went past the lease date three times, so there was three dates where I mean settlement date, we got an extension. Uh, on the last one, I rang up the uh, the uh, agent, and he said on Monday. So one of my things was because there's two units attached to the building. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, "How about you keep the rent for 12 months to the units? I pay you X amount. You keep the rent for and and we'll be square." And he goes, "That might work." He came back to me and simply said, no, nah, we're not doing that. You've got until Monday. You're done. We've got someone else to buy. And that really just shattered me because I went from hope, being hopeful again. Mm-hmm. That 
Now, Monday came. During Monday, it was Saturday, Sunday, so I couldn't work with anyone. I couldn't, you know, obviously, it's not a, it's not a, a, a business day. I've, one of my clients is is a, um, a property um, agent. Mm-hmm. I got got him in here. I got him to look at the contracts. He obviously said he can't do this. You've got 14 days. He goes, you've got to ring up your conveyancer. I rang up my conveyancer. My conveyancer got me an extension to a Wednesday, and that's all I needed. Now, on Monday, already my cousin lent me $30,000. On Monday, I asked Mari's brother if he could take out a personal loan for me for $40,000, thinking that it's probably not going to work, but it was the last ditch. Mm-hmm. You didn't give up. I didn't, I didn't give up. No, and that's, that's why everyone says I did not give up. And now the best thing about Michael helping us and Michael actually getting the loan, and this is why I believe in karma and dharma. Everyone knows about karma. Not many people know about dharma. Michael um, is Mari's brother. Um, I invited him here to Adelaide four years ago to come and live with us um, because Mari had no family here and I just wanted her to have a piece of family here. Mm-hmm. Ma- Michael lived with us for two years. Michael's now got his own job, living his own place. Um, he helped us, but I still believe it was the energy that I put out um, that came back my way. Yeah. Um, I've, I've recently since then taken out, because once I purchased the building, I can get loans. So yeah. I've taken out the loans, I've paid them back, and everything's sweet now. I've paid back my cousin, uh, paid back Michael. But again, uh, I think it was a lot of dharma. I didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with my cousin, there was one time where I rang him up and I said, Pete, I, I don't think I can do this, man. I, I'm done. And he said, don't you ever fucking give up. Yeah. Don't so you, you had good, good people around you as well, you know. That- well, he just said, you're a pro-cost. Do you ever give up? Have you ever given up on anything? I said, no. I said, but I can't I can't pull this money out my ass. He goes, <laughs> no, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Um, and, look, again, that's why I'm so grateful. I mean, he lent me $30,000. Michael took out a personal loan, and, and that's the truth of it. And if you really ask anyone that's probably built any sort of wealth or that, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that people probably don't talk about. 100%. I'm very, I'm very proud now to say I've taken out the loans and paid these people back, and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, just at the point that I couldn't take out the loans because obviously the banks are looking at the restrictions and stuff like that. Yes. And I, hopefully even the bank doesn't hear this because they don't know about this either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't need to know. <laughs> Where there's a will, yeah. there's a way. You've you've proven. And look, that's what it was, Adam. In the end, I did not give up. I lost so much sleep out of it. I just my brain just said, "What's next? What's next?" And every time I got a roadblock, I thought, "What's next?" And I'll tell so you what, what I've never lesson? I've never come across so many roadblocks in my life. Mm-hmm. why do you think that is why do you think there was so because I, I i believe things happen for us you know and sometimes i, I feel that these roadblocks are testing how much you really want this and if you're really prepared to do what's necessary it. to make this work so it's testing me how much i wanted it yeah um, so you're big, you're i, I believe in it and, and the one thing i wouldn't give up on was i couldn't bear myself to be here for the next 10 years paying someone else's loan i just it was it was as a business it made more sense to own the place because the rent was exactly the same as the loan. Mm-hmm. And so, you've got an asset. And it was an asset. And I was just like hell bent on it. This, I'm going to get it regardless. I'm going to make this happen. So I just, I never gave up. And e- even throughout my life, I've never given up. I've got, that's my quote. Um, even my kids know that. Even my kids' classes know that. Uh, we never quit. And I think if you can instill that into a child now, um, they'll have that for life. Um, you know, once I believe once you become a quitter, that's something that you'll go to every time something goes hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been raised from a very young age that, you know, grit, determination. Um, you know, when you want something, you've got to work so hard for it. Um, and I've just kept those traits, and uh, I, um, I'm someone that's never going to, you know, if if you put me down as a fighter, I'd be the type of guy you'd have to kill if you're going to beat me. Yeah, I love it. Look. I would say I'm not a quitter myself, but I've certainly had moments where I've gone, oh my god, I'm just going to. 
I'm going to give up on it. They're just moments. They're fleeting thoughts, but they're gone as quickly as they come. Have you ever experienced anything like that? If you're not pushing hard in life, of course, you, then then if you're not getting those if you're not getting those moments, then you're not pushing hard enough. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good way to put it. I mean, honestly, if you're not like you're, you're you're pushing as hard as you possibly can, you're going to get those moments. Yeah. If you know those moments in life where you think, you know, I'm on the verge of quitting, I can't do this, man, you're not. You, you need to start playing higher. So what do you do when you have those moments? Do they just come and go quickly or do you turn to someone? Do you have people in your support network like your cousin who was like, you're a pro cost, you don't quit. You have people in your corner. Um, as in when, when I'm like when I'm like self-doubt and stuff like that. Yeah, we have those moments of like, you know what? I just I reach out to people. I reach yeah. out to people. So it's your support reach, network. Support network, I reach out to people. And I only take advice from people whose whose lives uh, reflect where I want to be or reflect the advice that they're giving me. And that There's right there of, is powerful. A, a lot of people out there that give you advice, yet their life doesn't reflect that. I won't take, look, I won't be rude. Um, I'll listen to what everyone always has to say, but I won't, they're not the type of people I'm going to turn to. I'll turn to people that I, I can see it in their life. They're living it yeah. um, and, and therefore they know it. They're the people I want to talk to. Yeah, um, and that's a really great point for people to take down. Orientated people. Yeah, because you can have people that, you know, everybody's got an opinion and people love sharing their opinions. But if they haven't been successful in the area of life that you're wanting to be successful in, for example, I mean, they might have a wonderful business, but they might have a really horrible marriage and divorce. You're not going to take relationship advice from someone like this, but you might take business advice and have them as a mentor. And I look at, yeah, okay. Here's the thing. A lot of us will go see a doctor that's overweight and that doctor will say, hey, you need to take this, you need to take that. Here's your prescription for this. Now, who, who's going to go out there and see an overweight personal trainer? Yeah, hell no. <laughs> so, because that, that's not where I want to be, right? Taking, these are the people that we're taking advice from every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I work in this industry just like you do. You know, every every two and three people have got depression because the doctors are just handing them out. I mean, that's a completely different subject. but They're just handing it out like anything. I mean, firstly, you should ask, what are you eating? Are you exercising? How about asking those questions first? And then you've got to work out the way that the system's even governed. It's, the, the system's governed to make money. It's not there to cure no one. And once we, we can, you know, be smarter than that and understand that, um, we, you know, we can become powerful. You know, I used to think I was too small to, to make a change, but, you know, the more people I build here, the, I mean, the bigger influence I can get. I mean, the more people that are going to think like me, think like you, and we can make a difference. And you have made such a difference, Con. You know, my hashtag that I use is change one life change many and that's because it's something that I did for myself you start with changing yourself and Mm. I did it for my kids for myself but for my kids and how it was going to impact their lives and what sort of people I was sending into the world but change one life change many you've done it with your life you've got a phenomenal story and you've changed your life which has now grown to touching so many people's lives and it's not just those clients that you have helped and inspired and and helped to get fit and healthy and believe in themselves and change their mindset but their families their kids their friends it's just this massive ripple effect which is so incredibly Mm. powerful one of the things that I promote here the most is when fathers join or mothers join that they're able to bring their kids and, and their kids are able to, I mean, if they're old enough, to join in on workouts with their parents yeah. um, because of the ripple effect. I want them to, to grow up. I remember when I used to go train with dad and then for them to think it was a normal thing. So, therefore, they grow up doing the same thing. I know I, mean, I didn't grow up exercising, not playing sport, not doing any of that. I did a podcast episode on it um, recently where I talked about being scared to go to the gym because I started going to the gym maybe nine years ago and I was actually scared. I'd go at the time when, and it was a good life or a fitness first at the time. Anyway, I'd go at the time when it was quiet, when the old people were there because I was just way too scared to even go into the main gym floor. But 
I wanted, it was really hard for me to change my habits with eating and exercising, but for my kids, I wanted it to be their normal, like brushing their teeth, like what you were, what you were doing with I mean, you know, like You've just said everything that I just say all the time. I say brushing teeth. Oh, really? <laughs> I, say, I mean, with, with I say brushing teeth, I say to people, do you wake up every morning and, and say to yourself, do you need to brush your teeth, comb your hair? They're like, no, nah, that's just something I do. I say fitness needs to become like that. Exactly. And the other yeah. thing I say is, um, like my kids were my biggest inspiration for me to change my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I'm working with addiction, when I'm working with men with addiction, the one thing, and I'm and I'm and I'm brutal as this. I said, you got every right to be whatever you want in this life, but one thing you don't have a right to do is be a shit ass father, and yeah. that's what you that's what you are. And the moment I hit them with that that truth and and that and that, uh, I serious. I think uh, just this year, maybe off the top of my head, I got seven people off 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 ice. How to, incredibly amazing is that? Oh wow. Yeah. And that's that's powerful for me. And I know, I mean, I know. It, look, most of the time it's just pain and trauma. Super important for our kids to see us do these things. Um, part of building the gym. I go off topic again, but my kids actually got to see it. And I yeah. remember that's Pharrell, um, my younger boy. He actually asked me, he "Goes, Dad, what inspired you to put this gym together?" Yeah. I was just like, well, like, just the question. I always teach my kids, don't ask me dumb questions because you'll get dumb answers. Give me good questions. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, just for him, just to, for them just to even see this come from nowhere, come from nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, that only, in their life, you know, for them this becomes possible because they've seen their parents do it. Correct. And it's what you're instilling in the belief systems that and the self-talk that you're instilling in them. So, 100%. I think you're only as good as what you see or what you believe and what you've, you know, what, what you are capable of achieving. And this is why now I'm at a level where, I mean, I just came back from Kerwin Race Seminar mm-hmm. because I, I'm starting to feel like I've hit the glass ceiling of my own knowledge. Mm-hmm. You now it's time for me to invest it to, you know, bigger and better. And, and uh, a lot of people are trying to push me to open up more gyms, but that that's not my goal. My goal is just to this to be successful. Obviously, buying it is huge. It's like owning five gyms probably anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have five more gyms, but if I don't own them, it doesn't mean anything. Um but and sometimes me, you get you get to that point where you, you get bigger and you go past a certain like a tipping point. So you can be down here and make the same amount of impact and money. You go to that next level, you need to do so much more just to even break even and it puts a whole lot of extra stress and pressure on your life and family and relationships and it's sometimes not necessarily worth it. Look, I, I, I'm able to pick up my kids from school. I'm able to drop them off. I'm able to be there for them anytime they need and that's the most important thing for me. Money yeah. is only a byproduct of me doing what I love, and money isn't my driver. Money, money is only a byproduct from me doing what I love. So if I having five gyms, I'm I'm not really interested in that. Yeah, I rather have one great great one that um you know is like a house. I mean, this is only 50 meters from my home. I mean, yeah. I literally went home to get my charger just before. Um, my kids can come here anytime they need us. Um, I've created this lifestyle. It hasn't been by fault. It hasn't been by chance. This is what I've wanted. So it sounds to me um, this is your life by design. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I even remember the defining moment where it hit me at work when I was a forklift driver. Um, my boss my boss drove through the um, his gates in his Mercedes. Um, I was a warehouse manager at the time. A week prior to that, he, he um, demoted me. Um, he said that I um, – this, this was all was all lies. I clocked on um, on my clock card and it said 908. He went on his iPad and he saw that it was 9.25 and that I was talking to someone. So he assumed in his pea-sized little brain that I'd been speaking for 15 minutes to the same guy doing nothing. Mm. Um, and I said, Tony, show me the facts. 
and I'll sit here and gladly listen to your to your crap. And he goes, you've wasted enough of my time. You're no longer warehouse manager. You're doing 30 hours a week from now on, and that's it. And I went home that day in tears. And I was like, what do I do? I've got four kids. I've got a mortgage. I've just gone from making $1,200, $1,300 a week to 600 And all I remember at that point in time was that I loved training. I was fit. Um, and I loved, always loved helping people. And um, I went to the gym that day, and I saw a sign that said, uh, become a personal trainer. At that point in time, uh, the PT course was 3500 mm-hmm. In the bank, I had 3500 That's all I had, and that's how much the course cost. So I obviously looked at that as a sign. Um, I invested the whole lot. I told Mari I'm going for it. And Mari's always been awesome. She's never, she's never, don't do this, don't do that. She's always backed me 100%. Um, so I did it. Um, and then that's when everyone said, you'll be no good at it. Um, no one does any good from it. Um, you know, so everyone who were these people that were saying this to you? Family. Yeah. Family, friends. Well intended, right? Um, Mostly, no? Uh, of course, of course. And look, I started to see, like, my, my dad, my dad was giving me his perspective from, you know, uh, immigrant from Greece. Yeah, he's, based on his lived experiences. Yeah. Like, you, you, you've got a full-time job, you're throwing that away to go, you know, try something that probably won't work. So I stopped taking it so personal mm-hmm. and just said, you know what, I'm asking a Commodore 64 to do what a Windows 7, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, me and my dad's relationship has improved so much since then. Um, but yeah, it was friends, it was family. Um, but the whole time in my mind, I always had, I don't intend to be average. Yeah. Um, and, and that's you're what, definitely and not it, average. <laughs> no, I don't intend to be average. So every time someone said, you'll be no good at it, you, you know, it won't work. You'll have to do two jobs. I just, in my head, I just say, you yeah, know, worries. I never was loud about it, said it. I just said, I don't intend to be average. And I even remember my, um, my mentor or the, 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 my trainer who was actually training me to, you know, do the course. He goes, Con, you lack, um, you lack confidence. And I said, no, no, you've got me mistaken. I don't lack confidence. I'm just not comfortable. When I'm comfortable, my confidence will ooze. I'm just not comfortable yet. Mm. Um, and now he's, I don't even think he's a PT anymore himself. Yeah. Um, yeah he can eat some shit himself. <laughs> Did you use did you use this to fuel you? You've, we've spoken Absolutely. about stuff like this before. 100%. 100%. I, I don't – so here's my thing. I don't set out to, to, to prove anyone wrong. I don't have that negative where, you know – Well, it's, it's egotistical, right? That's coming from an egotistical place. I don't always prove myself right, but trust me, I hold on to everything that everyone's ever said that I'll never amount to anything, that I'll never – I'm always beyond help, all those things. And that's always been my driver. And Mari's never understood it up until, you know, probably the last six months, and now she gets it. Yeah. Um, and, and now she can see how, like, she saw a side to me about buying this place that she's never seen before, um, that I never gave up. And she goes, now I understand why you're the way you are. Um, but, look, I don't look at I don't hate on these people. I think they serve me. They've, that is they've, such a great way to look at it and a great perspective. Haven't, haven't, I don't look at it as a negative. I'll say thank you. Yeah. So thank it's, you for um, driving me to, to be like this. So, you know, the more you put me down, the more you say I can't do something, thank you. Because yeah. the more it's, it's just going to Yeah, to work harder. And yeah. I think a lot of people get that wrong where where they take that offensive um, and then they self-project. Man, you're going to get self-doubt. You're going to get that from everyone. But if you can use that and roll that up and use that as your motivation and bundle, and I even say that with people. I say everyone's gone through pain and trauma in their life. Mm. Go back to that thing that you thought you couldn't get over, mm. that you already did, and then apply it to maybe fitness and health. 
You know, like some people have immigrated from another country that was a war-torn country and gone through that, and now you're telling me you can't lose 10 kilos? Perspective, uh, right. I say go, go back to whatever you've gone through in life that was big that you thought you couldn't go through. Attach that to something like you're doing now. If you could go through that, you can go through anything. One of my saying is you've gone through harder shit in life than this. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely yeah. correct. Let's um let's talk about your history because you've been a personal trainer for how many years now? A coach? Since 2014. Okay. So it's, not something... it's grown more into more of a more of a coach now. Yeah, like, you're a coach rather I'm than trainer, but I think I sort of a lot of my a lot of my clients have lost the weight, but they just stay with me more just say, I mean, they see the benefit. They're they're, they're business people, they know they've got the energy, they make more money now because they've got more energy. Um, the weight's been and gone. I mean, I obviously you get new ones and that, but um, I don't I don't consider myself a life coach either. I just I don't know. I am what I am. You're a coach. You're an amazing coach, impacting people's lives in a in a positive way. So keep doing what you're doing, Con. But let's talk about where you came from. So you've been in, doing this for the last five years. You're 41. So let's go back to addiction, depression, um, being in a mental institution. Yep. Let's talk about that. What happened? Oh, well, that, like I said, with, with addiction, uh, my underlining uh, trauma and pain was my first marriage. So, um, I mean, I got married at 22. At uh, Three months into that marriage, I found out she was cheating on me for three for two years, and it just completely broke me. Um, I came home one day and she just disappeared. So it was literally the way I'm just saying it. There was no answers. She was just gone. And then I had to piece everything together, which just ruined me. It just killed me. Um, I had no explanation to why, how come she just vanished. Uh, and the worst part that destroyed me was in the end, she was trying to protect him from knowing about me than me knowing about him. Um, so that just just cut me to ribbons. And the more I the more I dug in, the more I found out, the more the you know her friends were in on it. For Christ's sakes, on, on Sunday we got married on Sunday. This guy picked her up on Friday in front oh of my God. house. I woke up one morning, um, three o'clock in the morning, and actually saw them kissing. And I and I convinced myself I didn't see it. And I, now that I know what I know, it's trauma. And every time you see trauma, you you know your brain needs to split to convince itself it didn't happen because you're you're traumatized. Yeah. So I mean, all this happened. And I mean, prior to that, I was a sports person. Uh, you know, you know, half successful soccer player, I guess. Um, never touched drugs. Um, for about two years after after the after the marriage breakdown, I couldn't function. I didn't go out. Uh, I just pretty much went to work, came home, and did nothing. Um, there was and uh, look, I've got no shame in saying this. I, I don't need ego. I mean, I, I might look like a big, strong, tough exterior, mate, but I'm I'm just like everyone else. I hurt. I cry. Um, and you know, don't don't think just because someone's stronger or you know looks a certain way that it's any different. Mm -hmm. I used to go to work and literally just. Feel. Go, go hide in the in the toilets and just cry. Um, came home, same thing. My friends would knock on the door. I didn't want them to see me like that, so I wouldn't even answer the door. Mm -hmm. And one day a friend came in and he just offered me offered me you know ice. And it just for that first time in my life, it took all the pain away. I could function. I could see people. I could go out. Um, the pain was gone away. Um, master pain for you. Yeah, master pain. And and really what it was is uh, look, and that's why I say it's. Um, the, the trauma was that I was masking it you know, and taking something, using something to escape my reality. Mm -hmm. um, and that went on for five years. And then that snowballed into its own problem with, with gambling, um, you know, suicide. I tried to commit suicide twice. Um, well, uh, look, in the end, um, I mean, there was some jail time in that as well. Uh, I don't really want to talk about that. But with, with, with going into Glenside was um, 
my dad, my dad being a, a Greek, doesn't really have the skills, and he didn't know what to do to help me. So he just turned to a friend, and he says, "You just, you just got to call the cops." So they called the cops, and I remember my dad calling me. He goes, "Son, you got to come home. Um, there's a few people here to see you." And um, look, I could already feel something was up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I drove home. There was two police, two police officers waiting for me in an ambulance, and uh, they detained me under the under the mental act. So I went to. I remember going in the uh, ambulance. They injected me with something in my butt, and I woke up and I was in Glenside. Yeah, and for those who don't know, who aren't from South Australia, Glenside is a mental institution in South yeah. Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So I spent about a week in there. And here's the crazy part. At the time, like looking back now, I'm like, wow, man, these people that I was in there with, uh, they're crazy. But because I was so messed up, I didn't even see it then. Yeah. Um. And you know what? It's exactly like you see in the movies, Fatima. It's 100% like you see in the movies. Being uh, an institution? Yeah. yeah exactly. Wow. There was people walking around with dolls, talking to dolls. There's there's a guy that used to make a coffee and sit there for 10 hours staring at his coffee laughing. There was a lady that used to, used to have this, like, two-metre two by two-metre whiteboard, mm-hmm. and she'll fill it up all day with little, like, I'm talking about, like, little letters like like this filling up a two meter by two meter board all day look crazy uh so what how long were you how long were you in there con and what happened so i was was pretty switched on all right like as in i I still knew like you were straight or i mean i was convinced that i was you know as drugs do you know i was being tapped i was being followed all that bullshit Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty switched on i said if i keep if i said to myself if i keep running this story they're going to keep me in here longer Mm-hmm. So by day four, I said, you know what, it's all bullshit. It's all in my head. It's all the drugs. Yeah. Um, so then from then, I got uh, I got taken to Cramond Clinic, which is uh, another institution in, in, in a Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, look, here's, here's the turning point. My grandfather came to visit me in um, in uh, Cramond Clinic, and he said to me, because obviously he didn't know about none of this. He didn't know about drugs. Obviously, mum and dad had to tell him. I've... I had a lot of, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for grandfather. He's, he's passed on now. I've got his name. Um, he pulled me aside. He came to visit me with my mum and dad. And he said, and this is how he used to talk. He said, fellow, what are you doing? Can't you see what you're doing is killing the rest of us? And in that moment, I never, ever done it again. Because that was the first time I actually realised, I mean, it sounds stupid. I didn't care about myself. I didn't care if I lived or died. But... Yeah. There was no bloody way that I was going to kill the people around me watching me do this to myself. So I said that I made that promise that there's no way. I mean, that's that's selfish now, knowing yeah. that I'm doing this and it's killing them. Now, people may, may say, well, how come you weren't aware of this before? How come you couldn't see? Look, I was that immersed in it that I didn't even care. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't see it. But he pulled me aside and said that. And in that moment, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it now. Um, it changed. It changed. And then Mari actually fell pregnant. Um and again, I always said, you know, my, I always wanted to be a father. Um, and then at that point in time, I was overweight. I was 30 kilos overweight. I was still battling depression. They had me on antipsychotic drugs. I'd put on 30 kilos in 17 weeks. Wow. Uh, they actually told me that if I stopped taking these drugs, these antipsychotics, that I have to report myself to the police. Um, and one day I just woke up. And I had more psychotic. I mean, I, I don't believe I was ever psychotic. I, yes, I believe there was a few things, you know, I wasn't straight, that's for sure. But um, the thoughts that these drugs were giving me, I knew weren't me. Yeah. And that's when I woke up one day and I said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this to myself one anymore. And I just threw them away. 
The police never gave a shit. The government never gave a shit. I was made to believe that if I stopped taking these things, that they'll be on my back straight away. The police would come. No one came. Mm. Uh, that's why I say it's all, you know, for me, in my case, um, you know, you don't need to believe everything they need, they're telling you. And I, the way I look at it now is these people have learned things in a book. How many of them have actually lived it? So for me now, I've lived it. I've learned it. I'm doing it. So that makes a, long, a big difference. Um, but look, in, in a nutshell, when I realized I was hurting other people, it stopped. Uh, and this That's is amazing. Part of, part <laughs> when, of when it's about something bigger than yourself, yeah. how yeah. your perspective changes when, when you care about something more than yourself. 100%. And this is how I use, this is the same way I use. I mean, I've got I've got this now that I, I and I'll go through this and I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, I say this to the people now that I help with addiction. I say the same thing, like, you're not only hurting yourself, you know, you're, you're killing your mum, you're killing your dad, your sister, your brother, your girlfriend. Um, and if you're not aware of that, man, or if you know that and you don't care, then, you know, no one can help you. Yeah. And again, like you said, it, it became it became bigger than me and it made me feel sick to know that, you know, I was killing these people. And then to actually see the pain and, and the hurt in my mother's eyes, it just, just killed me. The reality. And that's why I write, I mean, I, I, I named my daughter Susanna after my mum, out of respect for what, she, what I put her through. Yeah. So when you got off this antipsychotic drugs and you were – 30 kilos of weight, what happened then? You had your daughter, 30 no, kilos Susanna, of weight. At this stage, Susanna, you were how old? Susanna, yes, yeah, yeah, that's how it would have worked, yeah. So the way I – this is what my thing was. I wasn't proud of myself up until that day. I always knew that I was a good person. I never done anyone wrong. I never owed anyone money. I mean, I, I, although I lived that lifestyle, I never did anyone wrong. I never stole. I wasn't, I wasn't that person. And, again, going through what I went through to come out clean the other end, a lot of people don't even do that. They don't, especially with ice. Yeah, because I always had integrity and morals, no matter what. I mean, I paid, I did what I did. Um, there's a lot of things I'm not proud of, and there's a lot of things that I'll still probably do to this day. And sometimes it, you do the wrong things for the right reason. Sometimes you do the right things for the wrong reasons, and sometimes you do the right thing for the wrong reason. Okay. Um, one of my one of my sayings is sometimes, you know, you do the wrong thing for the right reason. That's what I meant, the wrong thing for the right reason. You know, if I've got no money and I need food for my family and I stole a loaf of bread, is that a wrong thing? If I've got $20 in my pocket and then I'll go steal a loaf of bread, is that a wrong thing? It's yeah. everything's in perspective. And I think, you know, even going in jail and hearing these these guys' stories, every time you get a backstory of really what's going on, mm-hmm. like I remember being in jail and I saw a, a guy with a scar in his, on his arm right here. Mm-hmm. He said, bro, what's that? And he goes, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't. He goes, my father used to inject me with heroin since the age of 11. Oh, my goodness. And he used to make me go do crimes. And the way that he used to reward me is by giving me that. That just broke my heart. And that just that's the reality. And then these guys get uh, um, institutionalized. Mm-hmm. They get demonized. They get – that's not a, that's not the place to, to help people. I mean no. – and that's the reality that's that that that's going on. I mean, I, I look at alcohol and cigarettes, and you can go buy them, and no one blinks an eyelid. I can walk into to work. I've seen it many a times. I'm not not here, but you know, drunk people in front of the you know in the city, and people mm-hmm. literally walk over them like it's nothing, and even have a laugh. The moment you see someone on drugs or something like that, look, I never use needles, and I'm just dead against that. But I mean, if you saw someone with a needle in their arm straight away, the police are involved. So. Yeah. It's a matter of perspective. I mean, and, and and it's sad. I mean, if you look at the statistics, alcohol probably kills more people than anyone else. Yeah. 
Um, and it's got more of a detriment to, to society than anything else with domestic violence and you name it. And I'm not, stand, I'm not saying drugs are good by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, why is one, one socially acceptable? I mean, mm -hmm. you can go to a birthday party, a, a one-year-old's birthday party, and they've got alcohol served. Mm. It's a cycle norms, isn't it? It's actually got nothing to do with, with the, the actual occasion. Yeah. Um, so look, you know, meeting these people and, and talking to them, you know, I always got a perspective and understanding. Like, there's a lot more going on in people's life, and I, and I believe, look, there are one or two percent of people that are just born bad. Absolutely. Mm. But most of us don't have that. Something's happened. Um, you know, we're always victims of our circumstances and and how we deal with those things. I mean, yeah, exactly. have, a look, have a look at the stolen generation. You know. I grew up through that with those kids, those parents of those children I went to school with at that point in time. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those guys that I grew up and went to primary school ended up in jail when they were from the stolen generation from the 60s. It all starts with self-compassion, that's for sure, um, with yourself. I think taking responsibility for your actions. Um, I've, I've come up with this now when, when I help people. Do you want me to share my... Yeah, um, go for it. Con's about to share some rules that he has yeah. with clients. So based on obviously what I've achieved, you know, how not only um, physically transform my body and my life, but obviously, you know, it is a life by design now. Um, mm. I go around now and, uh, and I mean, I pinch myself sometimes when I get paid to go to go talk about this because, you know, I can't believe how far I've come from where I was to, to being paid to go share my story. Um, yeah. And that's quite powerful. And I, and I always say, I know it's an old cliche, but uh, if I can do it, anyone can do it. It, it all starts with courage. And um, that's inspiring, right? Because people do look to be inspired because sometimes if they can relate to someone else who's been through what they've done, like what you have done with these seven addicts so far that you've helped um, kick their addiction and start changing their lives, it's because they've been able to obviously relate to to you. Yeah. You're able to relate to their pain and what they're going through. So it's so important to to get out there and share these stories. 100%. And, and I can say to them, look, if they're going to say, oh, look, I can't afford it, Con, you know, um, I can't afford $125 for a session. I'm like, bro, how much are you smoking? You're spending $300 on your drugs, man, and you're telling me you can't spend $125 on, on getting some support. You mm -hmm. know what? If you want to help yourself, then I, I'm not your person. Exactly. I know how much things cost. I only, I only help people if they want to help themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the best one. Otherwise, it's just my energy going one way. And no, it's not. It's going somewhere that isn't going to be received, where it could have been going somewhere else. That, you know, that took to me three or four years easy. to learn that, though. It took yeah, you what? I did, that for the, I, I did that for the first three years of being a personal trainer. Um, I was helping. I mean, I was, I've, I've helped a lot of people, but I realized that I can no longer help people that don't want to help themselves. Oh, can I? I think most of us who are really passionate about helping people change their lives have probably gone through that as well in the beginning of our journeys because you just you just want to help people. You're like, I can help you. I've got these tools. I can I can help you change your life for the better. But it's our own journey to understand that you can't unless they really want to do it themselves. They they've got to want to accept it and put the work the hard work. It's not easy. Fatima, like I've recently got a client that's lost 20 kilos in 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 a month. Fantastic. That ain't me. That's him. Yeah. I ain't going to sit there and say, you know, and I see it with a lot of PTs, look what I've achieved and look what I've done to my client. That ain't me. I'm just there driving the ship. I'm not there slapping food out of his mouth. I'm just there inspiring him and motivating him. I don't take credit for that. That's that person because equally, as much as I've got one guy losing 20 kilos, on the other side I've got probably someone that isn't. Yeah. So it doesn't still matter. there providing the tools, right? So Exactly yes, right. They so you're just looking at people at diff different – they're all at different stages. Mm-hmm. I think if it all it, it, it all comes from empowering, so if you know, find their weakness, find where they're struggling, and, and help them there. 
Um, a lot of men, like, I mean, I know you spoke about going into to, to men's health and speaking from experience, a lot of them are broken because they're lonely. They're simply lonely. I mean, they work all day and they come home to an empty house. They're lonely. Um, they might not be able to see their kids as much as they, they, they'd like to. Um, you know, they've gone through a divorce. And, that, and I think loneliness is one of the worst things. I mean, that really, I mean, uh, as a human, we're not designed to be lonely. We're designed for connection. We're, I mean, that's, yeah. that's super important for us. Connection and companionship. We weren't meant to do life alone. We, we as a species, being, species have been created to do life in a community. Absolutely. Not, not by ourselves. So. Have you heard about that rat? Um, so in the 1970s, they did a, a study with a, um, a psychologist uh, on rats and, and addiction. 1970 so they got a rat they got at a rat cage and they put a heroin laced water and, and normal water and they only put two rats in that cage mm-hmm. nearly 95 percent of the rats always went for the drugs and then in 1990 there was a new psychologist and basically why i'm saying this is this is why they went through you know um criminalizing drugs mm-hmm. um through that study now in 1990 they got a new psychologist and he goes now how about we look at this differently mm. let's make a rat heaven where they, they can play, they can um, have sex, they can make, make friends, they've got all all the toys, they've got, you know, it's, it's just a rat heaven, and, and it went down 75%. Yeah, now, wow. Portugal is the only country in this world that has decriminalised drugs from marijuana right through to heroin. Mm-hmm. It's actually, if you get caught, they're actually now giving people connection and support. Crime has gone down 50% in Portugal. Um, in some cases, they're actually even giving people that get caught with drugs micro loans to get their businesses started. Mm-hmm. And again, based on that, what I'm trying to say is most of the people that come from addiction or that they're lacking connection. They've lost that connection. They're lonely. Um, I have read and, that. And that's and where it's with it. and, and credit to Portugal for, for doing that. And I just think we're so far behind. And, and again, looking at the model of, the, uh, of jails, you've got to remember that it's a, it's a private entity. If you've got those jails full of people smoking marijuana, then that's making whoever owns it rich. Mm. And it's sad because, you know, someone that probably it's smokes... It's definitely a broken product, system. It doesn't work. System. So if someone's worked all, all, all day and he comes home and he has two cones, to someone that works all day and comes home and has six beers, what's the difference? One's illegal, one's not. One deserves... Yeah, they're both drugs. They're both addictive. They both... One out of jail and the other one doesn't. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So there's got to be a better way. Look, and this is what I've come up with and what I try to help people with. Um, and it's not got nothing to do with what I just talked about. But I believe look and feel are our fundamental emotions. I believe everything is motivated from the way we look and the way we feel. In my gym and my perspective of training, I care about how someone feels. I don't care how they look. Mm-hmm. If I concentrate on how someone feels, the byproduct will be them looking great. Yeah. I know plenty of people that look great. Their life sucks and they feel like shit. Mm-hmm. This is why I concentrate on feel. And I believe if you look at any time you're motivated to that, to make change or to do something differently, it, it, it all goes down to – it all will come down to a feeling or a look, especially when it's weight loss. Yeah. I don't look good anymore. I don't feel good anymore. And that's what's motivated me to now join a gym or go see a personal trainer. Um, again, even with my own story, um, I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like, like the way I looked, which inspired me. I – I care about how people feel. I always ask them, how are you going to feel when you don't rock up to training? How are you going to feel when you eat that hamburger that you shouldn't have? Not care about look. And when I get a, a better question and ask them a better, you know, a better question and, and get an emotional, as in the feelings and emotion, um, I get better results. Now, through my steps, I say we're going to have plenty of problems in life. 
We've got to teach our mindsets to shoot straight to a solution. Don't dwell on problems. If we dwell on problems, that's where depression will lay. That's where all the negativity, that's where the self-abuse uh, starts. Um, it all resides in there. Uh, I've got plenty of problems in my life. But as soon as I've got one, I'll go, all right, what's their solution? And I'm able to anchor it straight away. What's the problem? What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't sit there dwelling on the problem. I did that when I bought the gym. What's the problem? I'm 80 grand short. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? I didn't sit there kicking myself about the problem. Your solution's focused and problems are a part of life, right? There's always going to be some sort of problem. So, yeah, and that's what I'm trying to get at. There's problems, but let's teach our mindsets to shoot straight to a solution. Mm -hmm. What's the problem? What are we going to do about it? Your internal dialogue, how you talk about yourself. And, again, I've mentioned that already. If I could change one thing in this whole world, it would be – and I'm I'd hand on heart, I genuinely – it hurts me when I know how much people self-abuse themselves mentally and what they say. I'm genuinely hurt. It upsets me. Because um, I know that used to be me. It, it, it's nasty. It's it's devilish. It's terrible. Like you'd never even say that to someone else, mm. let alone we do it to ourselves daily. And I believe, you know, it's a holistic. Your body's listening. Your body knows. I mean, 100%. I've even proven and I've even seen that you can simply lose weight simply by changing the way you, you, you think. Mm -hmm. Nothing else but just changing the way you think. I've done it myself. Tell us more right. about that. Mate, I believe it. I believe it. Wim Hof, he's another one. I mean, I study some of his stuff. I can see it. I mean, meditation. What is meditation? It's not for me. It's not zenning out on a on a on a on a on a, on a rug and um doing all that. For me, meditation can be many things for different people. Um, for me, it's just doing something that I'm in the zone and I'm thinking about nothing else. Um, it's my car, driving my car. That's why mm -hmm. I love it so much. And when I'm in that car, nothing else matters. That's my form of meditation. So maybe a tip for those that are struggling with meditation, don't always think that they need, you know you need to be on some floating rug and zoning out. Just find something where you're immersed in it and nothing else matters. Start there. And then obviously start with your breathing and you get more in-depth. But look, internal dialogue is super important. And like I said, you wouldn't allow people to talk to you the way you talk to yourself. Stop it. Identify emotional triggers. And what I mean by emotional triggers, like in the past, say maybe someone mentioned my ex-wife, that's an emotional trigger. Mm -hmm. I'm either start taking something again, using something, doing something, because I don't want to think about that. Everyone's got a trigger. See what those are. Try to identify them. Um, for me right now, feeling disrespected is a trigger. The moment I feel disrespected, I'll get angry straight away. So now I'm able to identify that because I'll start to feel fire in my guts and I know I need to walk away. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also what makes me me. I'm going to stand up for things when I feel disrespected. And I, I don't care. I, I, I like that about me. So, again, there's things that if you like things about yourself, keep it like that. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. There's certain traits that you might like. Keep it. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Also traits. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go for it. Traits, some personality traits that we have, you know, they can be used for good. And then right. it's kind of like a balcony in a basement. There's a really good way to use it. And then there's also not so great ways that we can use it. So I've if it's a trait that you anger. love. I've learned that with anger, Fatima. Yeah. So I... Uh, I used to think being angry was a bad thing mm -hmm. um, because in the past it was it was violent and it was volatile. Not to anyone, it was to myself. I mean, I'd come home and, and tear my house upside down. Never mm -hmm. to never to my family, never to to marry, nothing like that. But I was very violent and volatile. Um, that aside, so that there I linked being angry as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Then I actually observed my life and I looked at it. Every time I got angry, it actually motivated me to change. Mm. I got angry at my boss. It motivated me to become a personal trainer. I got angry at, um, you know, my landlord. It motivated mm. me to buy the gym. 
I got angry at myself for being overweight and motivated me to lose weight. So again, mm-hmm. like you said, you can use you can use these traits to drive you, or you can use them to wreck you. Correct. Uh, I think I think pain is the truth. Anytime something hurts, it's trying to tell you the truth. If I if I oh, get yeah. a hammer and hit, you, hit you in the leg with you know with a hammer in your knee, it's going to hurt. What is the truth? So a lot of us see uh, physical pain, but none of us see emotional pain. And mm-hmm. so if you've genuinely got some emotional pain, it's trying to tell you the truth. And our, our intuitions are that strong. I think a lot of us have that much white noise around us that we don't even hear that anymore. Follow your gut. I can't stress that enough. Well, that is a problem, right? What you said right there. It's that firstly, um, the pain, that is your body's way of giving you feedback, whether it's pain in your head, brain pain, like one of my um, upcoming guests talks about brain pain um, or mental pain or feelings, your body's giving you feedback. But with all that white noise that you talked about, I think a lot of people struggle to follow that intuition. They can't hear it. They can't feel it because of all that white noise around. And and social media isn't all bad, but it is a big part of that, the way that we live our lives these days where, you know, you talked about your meditation being going in the car and going for a drive or not sitting there on a mat going, um, I mean, for me, I love going out to, I do meditate at home, but I love to go to the beach. For me, I just being at the beach by the water, outside, um, in nature, appreciating animals in nature, that zends me out and that takes that white noise away. So I think it's so important for people to to find ways to remove some of that white noise for periods of time because so many people I've coached and spoken to struggle with actually hearing the intuition. It's one thing to say, yeah, just follow your intuition. It's so important. Listen to your gut. But I know personally I've been in places where I'm like, I can't hear myself think. I can't connect to my intuition because there is so much going on around me and so much noise. So I don't know what your advice is to people. Personally, uh, 100%. I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, like two, two, two weeks ago I woke up and, I, and I, I call them down days and I really have them, you know, mm-hmm. and I call them a, I, I had a depressive day. They're few and far between. Um, you, know, you know, eight years ago they were every day and I was, I was genuinely a depressed person. I still have those days. I think once you've sort of got those traits, they're going to be with you um, maybe for life, um, and I'll battle with that. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not depressed, but I still have uh, traits of it. Mm-hmm. But I have awareness now. So I remember waking up. It was a few Mondays ago, and I said, why am I feeling like this? What's going on? Um, and just to have that awareness to pull myself out and go, hang on, I'm feeling like this. I have to do something different today. I can't do what I normally do. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the beach. Do I go, you know, go see a friend? Do I jump in my car? And, again, that's coming down to self-awareness to go, hey, I'm feeling like this. I need to do something different or, yeah. you know, pull yourself out. And, again, a lot of people may feel like that, but they're so pressured to, I need to go to work or and that doesn't change or they don't even hear themselves that they know that they even feel like that either. Well, they don't have that self-awareness because it's so busy and loud um, or they're not willing to take responsibility is another thing. You know, when you're not willing to take responsibility for what is happening in your life and what you're not happy about and where you're at, then you're not open to being self-aware. Everyone likes to shame, blame and justify. Yes, yes. <laughs> not us, oh, though. We, we, we used to be like that. We've, we've grown and we're growing past that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But it's easier to it's easy for your ego to blame someone else to justify. And that's your ego. Yeah. I mean, Kerwin Ray speaks about that. And now, now, I mean, I've even got a tool now when I hear my ego um, and I'll always say, I know you're there. I know what you're trying to do. Thank you. I can hear you. And then That's let it go. Fear. You know, uh, okay. I did the, same, the exact same thing with fear, like, because I found that with fear, just pretending it wasn't there and just trying to push through and push through and push through didn't work for me. I went, you know what? I have to acknowledge the fear, thank yeah. it for coming and say, see you later. You're not welcome here. I don't need you. Bye bye. And then get on with it. 
and that again that reinforces what I just say about having a down day. Have that awareness. Yeah. That hey, I'm, I'm feeling like this. I know you're here. Uh, thank you. I'm going to go do something different. But again, yeah. it all comes down to self awareness, and unfortunately, a lot of us have too much going on that it's just not there. Yeah. So, um, what would you say to people then if there's three things? Um, yep. that they could do your three main steps if they're at a place in their life whether it's addiction or or not whether they're just unhappy with their health yep. and where they're at in their life what are three things that you could tell them to do right now oh. that aren't overcomplicated yep. to help themselves your, your internal dialogue 100 percent change it 100 percent mm-hmm. internal dialogue change your perception on how you view things Sometimes some of the most negative things that have ever happened to you are some of the best, and you just haven't asked mm-hmm. your qu- question to say. Ask, ask harder questions to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so like uh, what is the benefit of that happening to me? No one's actually even stopped to ask themselves that question. And if you actually stop and ask yourself that question, I can guarantee you'll find a whole list of things. Mm. Um, and look, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of bad things that happen for no reason, um, you know, you know, t- children dying and stuff like that. I mean, h- how can I say what's the benefit of that at that point in time? But, I mean, I've got clients here there it's happened to. Yeah. And they're better people for it now. I mean, obviously, they're going to hurt for the rest of their life. But, um, I mean, there's two or three I can just battle off in, in my community that are like that. But they didn't choose drugs. They didn't choose suicide. They didn't choose that. They choose to become a better person. Mm-hmm. And, again, so definitely um, change your perception of, of, of all the negatives that have happened and ask yourself better questions. Your internal dialogue, mm-hmm. 100% your internal dialogue. You might not be where you you, you want to be, but you're not you're going to get there. So yeah. sometimes I say, yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, I haven't bought, you know, before I bought, bought the gym, you know, I, I haven't bought the gym yet. Um, I'm, I'm, I need to lose 20 kilos, but I haven't lost it yet. So I always just let yet yeah, because knowing that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. Um, our, our languaging is so important. And probably third one, um, man, I pretty much just take full responsibility of how you feel right now because it's all you. Mm-hmm. Stop shaming, blaming and justifying uh, where you're at on other people, other things, things that have happened. We've all had shit happen to us. Life's exactly. Always, life's always going to be 99% of how you react to something, 1% of what happens. Mm. It happens to all of us. What are we going to do about it? Um, and, again, like. I'm no guru, Fatima. I know that there's plenty more challenges that are going to happen in my life and I might not have the answers to, but up until now I've been able to figure this out and change the person I am. So, I mean, that's some sort of validation for something. So, um, you know, and again, I'm not saying I have all the answers for everything and there's going to be plenty more challenges that are going to come my way, but I'm aware of them and I'm okay with that because I know each challenge that comes, it's it's serving me a purpose. And there are some crazy things that happen. I mean, that's life. Um, and that's the scary part that, you know, in a blink of an eye that, you know, things can really change. Um, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to embrace life and live life and live your best life and create your life by design because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us know what's going to happen later yeah, today we, tomorrow, you know. We all say these things, but how many of us do it? Like, and, and look, I've got a kids class that's got eight, eight kids. It started off with 45 kids in it. Now there's eight kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't care what the numbers are because I'm going to do it regardless because I just I love it. I'm going to do it for my four kids anyway. So the more kids that are there, the great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gone from 45 to eight because a lot of them were I I say parents didn't didn't want to make the commitment anymore. It wasn't the kids. So anyway, that that aside, even asking eight year olds, nine year olds, ten year olds, even what the right thing is to do, they know. Yeah. Let alone adults, we all know what we need to do. The problem is few of us can execute. Yeah. And why do you think and, that is? 
emotions. 100% it's emotions. Mm-hmm. So every time you know something and you can't execute, that's your emotions. Your pain There's and no trauma? Way. No, just emotions. Like, oh, I'll give you a reason. Um, tomorrow I want to wake up and go to the gym. Uh, I've set my alarm for 5.30 in the morning. I'm going to do the 6 a.m. hit class with Mari. That's the logic thing for me to do. That's good for me. I know I need to lose some weight. I know I need to feel better. That's my logic state of mind. Now, the alarm goes off at 5.30, and now all of a sudden we've got the emotional state of mind. It's too cold. I can't be bothered. I've got a massive day in front of me. My leg's actually hurting, um, blah, 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 blah. So you've got logic state of mind versus emotional state of mind. And I can guarantee you that your emotional state of mind will always beat logic state of mind. And what I mean by that is everyone knows what they need to do, but the emotions get in the way. So go ahead. No, go, go, go. So combat that, you have to have a plan, right? And So my plan is this. On the days you don't feel like doing it, Mm -hmm. are the days you must execute. They're the days that are going to move move you forward three, four, five, ten levels more than the days you feel like doing it. Anyone can be a champion on the days they feel like it. Yeah, so I, sell, I say to my clients, on those days, I don't care. You know, half the battle is just getting here, get here. Even if you did half a workout, that's better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's going to set you up consciously to have a better day. Now, well, it's building sub- that mental muscle, isn't it? 100%. And subconsciously, when you don't fulfill or, or commit to a commitment that you've made in your mindset and haven't committed to it, now subconsciously, you're probably going to make poorer choices with food throughout that day. You're going to probably talk negative more about yourself that day. Mm-hmm. And this is on a this could be on a conscious level or a subconscious level. And a lot of this is happening on a subconscious level. People aren't even aware. Oh, now, if you continue absolutely. to let yourself down from the things you're telling yourself you want to do and you can't do it, you're going to feel like shit. There's no way about it. So the, I, I believe confidence and empowering is like a ladder. Every time you, you commit to something and you follow through, you go up that ladder. Mm-hmm. And you, you keep going up. And every wow. time you commit to something and don't, you keep going down that ladder. To the yeah. point where you can go down that ladder that low where you can tell yourself you do everything anything and everything and you know it's full of shit. Yeah. So when some people when they get started or certain times in their life, they don't have that pure grit. They just don't have that pure grit to go, well, you know what, I'm just gonna do it because I just have to have committed to myself. Do you find that having purpose, why, really well defined goals? Yeah, so me, what I do is I I I know that like I say to my clients, so I'll go through I'll go through a, a free consultation, mm-hmm. and I try to understand their values. Yeah. And I even say to them, you you know, fitness and health doesn't need to be in your top three values. It doesn't even have to be in your top five values. Mm-hmm. But what I do is attach your values. So maybe your highest value might might be parents, being a father, being a mother. I grab that value now, and I attach fitness and health to that value. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, well, how much better of a parent would you be if you had more energy, if you felt better about yourself, that you didn't take attack out your negativity about how you feel out on your kids? Yeah. And we what, I'm basically, leverage, which is what I'm basically doing personal. is grabbing, getting their values and attaching it to the purpose or to the reason that, you know, fitness and health is important. It doesn't have to be fitness and health. It can be addiction. It can be mindset. It can be plenty of things. Yeah. And that's what I say, my, rule, my rules for change. I mean, first of all, I say be accountable to your commitments. When your mindset says, I need or I should, that's your intuition. I need to do, join the gym. I should be doing this. Your intuition is the most powerful thing. It's an inbuilt mecha- mechanism. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. In, in Finland, and this is, you can, you can Google this, in Finland, they teach intuition in schools. Yeah. They've got the highest IQ in the world. They're amazing. How, how you think is how you feel. So if you're not thinking too flash, you're not going to be think, feeling too flash. Implementation, actions over words, I mean, that's, that's a given. Now, I believe 
The next one is taking back control, and you take back control through courage and self-belief. Mm-hmm. No one's going to come to the gym or lose weight or go see a mentor or a mindset or, or do anything if they don't believe that they can do it. So it's all about empowering someone um, to believe that they can do it. But first of all, these people need to believe they can do it. Having my own gym now, the people that walk in already know what I'm about. They're ready, ready to sign up. They're ready to commit. Um, I don't need to sell myself. Um, the ones that are coming in here, they're like, right, Con, I've, I've, I've fucked around long enough. I'm ready to do this. And that's what yeah. I'm getting. Yeah, um, so I know they know the type of, uh, you know, I know that the, the psychological shift they've already gone through. Um, I know that they're tired of, of going around in a merry-go-round and they're just putting their hand up. Um, and then it's up for me to understand just where they're at and just empower them. It's never for me to put anyone down. It's all about empowering. I say motivation is the fakest friend you'll ever meet. Consistency is king. Motivation is great because it gets you going. Mm-hmm. But where is it when, when you've had a bad day, kids are driving you crazy, and you had a bad day at work, uh, it's cold, consistency it's is fleeting, king. It's right? 100%. Um, and if you look at any success in anyone's life, in, you know, in yourself, in mine, and whoever's uh, here um, you know, listening to this, any success that you've had in your life, it's because you've consistently uh, chipped at it and achieved it. Yeah. It doesn't come and go. It's not like, you know, motivation. Motivation is great. It gets you going, but it's consistency. And this is why I say to my clients, on the days you don't feel like doing it are the days you must execute. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do is empowering, empower them to go, hey, man, this is the day that Con said I'm going to get. This is the day I've got to do it. And those days are going to get fewer and fewer and fewer far between to the point yeah, that you're going to start enjoying it. You're going to start making friends. You're going to start enjoying coming here. You're going to start liking the energy. I mean, that's why we bought a gym dog. You know, half the people will come to the gym just to see Prince. <laughs> Which you, you won't have seen because this is an audio, but Prince made an appearance um, while we've been doing this interview a little bit earlier on. <laughs> little multi, yeah. little fluffy dog. Yeah. Um, again, like you just said, attaching your values to, to, to your goals. So super important. I mean, I'm 41 years old and I didn't work out my values until I was 38 years old. Yeah. And it, most of the time when I get new clients, you know, the average age here is between 26 and 55. And let's just say I get your average 40-year-old. And I'll sit down with them and say, do you know what you value in life? And they don't even know what they value. And I'm just like, I mean, I just it just blows my brain that we went to school for, what, 12 years of our lives, whatever it is, and not once did we work out what our values are. And we're on the hamster wheel of life, just yeah. continuing things that have been passed down through family and, and society and just things that we have accepted as beliefs and norms instead of thinking for ourselves sometime. Uh, it, it, if you even look at the school system, it's designed for a factory worker. Oh, so don't just, even get me started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, well, yeah, I'm the same as you. It's just even hearing a, a bell go, you know, stop this, do this, go there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy. And, and then on top of it, you've got now kids with ADHD. No, I believe you're just not, they're just not interested in what you're teaching. Give that kid something that he's actually interested in. I bet you he'll blow your brains out. And how, what is different it? way of learning, Con, different way of learning. And so many super successful entrepreneurs, um, like multimillionaires and billionaires, have you know, and they, their brain and their way of learning is just different to what the school system provides. So, you know, anyway, let's not go down that road because that is a whole other kettle of fish. Well, in saying that, I've... <laughs> I've seen that as a consistent thing, though, with all the courses I've done, all the all the um, multimillionaires I've met. And look, I don't measure I don't measure success in money. I, I measure mm-hmm. success in happiness, mm-hmm. as in family. Uh, are you waking up every day doing what you love? Yeah. Um. That that to me is happiness for me. For me, I think we're sort of governed in a way with more money means more happiness. I think that's all bullshit as well. Mm-hmm. For me, 
Um, happiness is do you wake up every day doing what you love? Are you living life on your terms? Are your children happy? Is everything, is your life going every way you want it to, to go? Is, um, you know, is the direction of your life, you know, is it projecting? Um, I think we're all, we're all raised to, to think more money means more happiness. It's never the case. And, and mm. it's serious. If you, if you believe that, stop it now because it's not it's 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 untrue um be the ruler of your routine don't let your routine rule you um like i said you wake up every day you brush your teeth you comb your hair i mean when you're a kid once upon a time your mum would make you do that mm. uh, now it's just a given now you just do that normally mm -hmm. i can't train be, be like that i know now when i when i train it's just something that i do it's part of what i do part of your day like brushing your teeth <laughs> Exactly right. And again, I'm not comparing people to me. I live in a gym and work in a gym, but if we can just start at three times a week at something that you don't normally do, whether it's walking around an oval, joining a community, or even better, joining a, a, a group of people that are like-minded, I think that's super important. Yeah. Um, the other one is who are your friends? So again, you can see just based on what I said when I was struggling to come up with the money to purchase the gym, I had a lot of friends support me. Mm. I had Tom, I had Peter, I had Mark. I had all these guys giving me their support and their opinions and, and, and you know, their perspectives. So sometimes what I tend to see, though, is, you know, let's, let's just use addiction, for instance. Um, you know, I want to get off drugs, but every weekend I'm hanging around, um, you know, you know, Corey and what, how's that going to get any better? Mm. So you've got to look at your friends and your friends need to be the type of people that keep you accountable. Yeah, they call you on your BS. Yeah, they said, hey, Fatima, you said you were going to join the gym. Or, Fatima, you said that you are going to design a, a men's uh, a seminar to, you know, help men. What's going on? Yeah. How can you take it so long? What's what's the deal? They're the, they're the, the friends you need. They're the friends you need, absolutely. Not the friends that say, hey, you work too hard. You need to slow down, um, relax, have, have a beer, take it easy. You're just giving me a perspective of your life. I'm not like you. Yeah. And uh, I try to find friends that keep me accountable. And it's good to be that sort of friend as well. 100 mm. percent um yeah good point uh take full responsibility of how you feel in life because it's all you right now challenge just understand anytime you ch you, you choose to do something different it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be a challenge that's awesome you're actually growing now mm. anytime you seek ease and comfort i mean you've been doing that your whole life nothing's happening mm -hmm. choose something that's uncomfortable and, and and challenging and i guarantee each time you do that you're going to grow and get a, a new sense a new level of life it's that simple yeah. I'm huge on visualization. Um, six years ago, when I became a personal trainer, I already said to myself, I'm going to have my own gym one day. Yeah. I didn't know where it, would, where it would be. I didn't know where it would land. But here, here's one. I, I used to have this reoccurring dream when I was a forklift driver that I was across the road where my gym is right now, that I was on my hands and knees trying to crawl over over here. And I could never work out why I was always on this on Port Road. Why wasn't I at home? Why wasn't I anywhere else? I was on on that side. Um, and that used to freak me out that's um, interesting. six times. And that's why I knew in my heart that I'd be able to buy this place because I wouldn't have had that dream if otherwise. Mm -hmm. So as much as it almost came down to the crunch where I wasn't, I wasn't going to get it. I had that self belief that it's going to happen because I wouldn't have had those dreams. So yeah. sometimes even the spirits are trying to tell, tell us I'm, I'm a huge on holistic. I'm huge on spirits. If you're open to that stuff. Yeah. It's like it was woven into your life. It was happening for you before you even knew. I, I believe whatever's going to happen, like whatever's going to happen in two weeks is already going to happen. Whatever's going to happen tomorrow has already happened. Mm. I'm a big believer in that. Um, and again, it games down to your mindset. Like, uh, you know, you, you've got the ability to change your life. You really do. Uh, what I'm teaching my daughter right now, 
my daughter struggles with um she has panic attacks yeah um you can even see on my insta stories uh maybe yesterday last night actually if they're speaking to her i'm, I'm teaching her that she's in charge of her own mind mm-hmm. you, know, you can choose to have a panic attack you can choose to get angry or the teacher or someone yelled at you or someone disrespected you you can choose to react any way you want but just understand that you're in charge of your mind yeah. um and just, we always have a choice how empowering is that just to know that we are in charge of our thoughts? It's very powerful. If people take a second to actually realize it, and it all comes back down to responsibility and knowing you've mentioned it before, you know, terrible things happen to people. We can't always control that. All we can control is how we choose to react to it, what we choose to do with it and what we choose to have in our life moving forward. You know, it's not being in that, in that victim mentality and take that one of your rules, you know, with taking responsibility is vital, vitally important and, and so impactful to people's lives. I've seen that firsthand with, you know, the unspeakable. Like as a parent, you'd be able to relate. Like, you know, losing a child is has got to be the worst thing that could ever happen. And in yeah. my community, I mean, you know, I've got that. And just to see these people, how they've responded and react, it's, it's truly inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, just to see that. And, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this around me firsthand. So, again, like, you know, you wouldn't blame someone if, you know, if they turned the water and, and started boozing on and their life went to, to shit, but they didn't choose that. So, again, it just it goes to prove that it's how we react to it. Mm. Um, I've only got a couple left to go. So visualisation is a huge one for me. Identify people who drain your energy and people who lift it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things in, in life is when you, when you outgrow your friends. If you yeah. feel like you've got people or friends in your corner that every time you hang out with them, you feel like you've been smashed with a sledgehammer, get rid of them. You've outgrown. Um, I've got friends that are still doing the same thing ten years ago. I'm in I'm in a different place. Yeah. That uh, that makes me proud. So don't 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 feel like uh, obliged to 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 you know be around these people, man. You've outgrown them. And and if anything, they should be supporting you. You know, I've got a lot of clients right now that I even see where they're on a, a health they're on a weight loss you know goal. They're losing ten kilos, and their friends are encouraging them. I'll oh, stop this. Have a beer. Have a cake. Con, that's because people's reactions are about themselves. So when, and I had the same thing um, when I first started training people and coaching people, was that others around them, friends and family, would try and sabotage, most likely not consciously, quite unconsciously, but they were because it would affect the way they felt about themselves. So people's reactions are almost always about themselves. So they're reacting to your client who is making changes in their life, positive, wonderful changes, losing weight, getting fit, healthy, all this sort of stuff, and happy. And that doesn't make them feel good about themselves. They want to pull them back down to to that. How level. about so, when you see that? How about when and you you were seeing this? How about when you see that in a relationship um, oh, scope? How so ugly is that? Times. So many times, you know. Oh, you kind of grow together. Because you won't leave me if 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 you get fit and healthy, you're going to leave me, and I'll feel insecure. Yeah, and you know what? People can grow through that stuff together, and some people don't. And there's that saying, you know, um, seasons and reasons, lifetimes. Some friendships are for seasons, reasons, and some for lifetimes. And it's okay to let that go because once you let those friendships go, let those friendships go, it opens up space for someone else amazing and wonderful to come into your life. And that's the same for friendships or romantic relationships or business relationships, all relationships, I believe. Beautifully said, Fatima. That's 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 not yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Um like and like I said, identify people who lift it. Um and the last couple ones I've got, the proper pressure is the pressure that we apply on ourselves. Unfortunately, the Western world, we've got so much external pressures. We've got KPIs, deadlines. I've got to get this done. The kids need to go, you know, their lunches. We've got, we're going mad. Mm-hmm. We've got no pressure that we're applying ourselves to be better. What pressure are we applying on ourselves? What are we going to do today besides, you know, you see it with mums a lot. You know, they're just out there helping everyone else in their family, 
and they forget it, they forget about themselves. Yeah, martyrs. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure there's dads out there, but more so you see it in mums. Um, you know, apply pressure on yourself as well. What are you going to do today? You know, one of my my rules to I am by nature I'm lazy, but I'm productive. I would never have thought you're lazy from what you have done and your drive and what you've achieved. I won't say lazy, but I'm telling you, on my off days, I'll be sitting in front of the TV and I'll be watching YouTube just on mindset all day if I could. Yeah. Um, But what I'll say is I'm productive. So what? What? this is one of my things. I'll work up till 12 o'clock and I'll I'll come in every morning. And I used to do this even when I was at Good Life. Five things that I'm going to do today that's going to be productive. And when I've smashed those five things for the day, I'm done. Now having my own business, I've got to come back in the afternoon and stuff like that. And I'm doing like, you know, I'm, I'm only working 30 hours a week. But in terms of business-wise and thinking and, and creativity, you probably put 70, it 80 hours. Stop, right. It's, it's really hard to stop that when you're in your own business. And when you're yeah. an entrepreneur, like your brain's always going and thinking of, of different ideas and strategizing. And that's why you got to be that's passionate about it. <laughs> Well, that's, and that's if you weren't if you weren't doing that, then you know you should ask yourself, are you in the right place? Yeah. Um, and lastly, uh, learn to ask yourself better questions. I, I can't I can't stress that enough how important that is to ask ourselves better questions. I can go back to the the emotional versus the logical state of mind. Hey, I said you said that you're going to wake up and go training uh, in the morning. You didn't. Ask yourself why didn't I? What held me back? What was it? You talked about fear before. You're aware of it. You talk to it. You're able to have that self-awareness. Why are we scared? Why do, where does fear come from? Ask yourself these questions. And I guarantee every time you ask yourself these, these deeper questions, I call them diving under the water, asking deeper questions. Don't worry about just the shallow stuff on top of the water. Get deep. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. about those things. And when you ask yourself deeper questions, you really get to the core and to the root of things. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us have gotten real good at, I don't want to touch that. That's too painful. Just leave it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, over time, it's just... We don't want to yeah. rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, but over time, look, look. for now, it's going to... It's a quick fix, but I guarantee you, it's going to it's going to surface up every now and then. And when it does, it just gets nastier and nastier and nastier and nastier. Sometimes it might go three, four, five years before it surfaces, and then it surfaces up, and this time it really goes. So yeah. we've got to get deep. A lot of shit has happened to us. Um, a lot of shit that we don't deserve has happened to us. You know, you, you start talking about abuse and, 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 and you know violence um sexual abuse and all that and some some of us don't want to even go there and man look i've never had none of that and i, I can only just imagine how like, something like that would feel like mm. but again i mean I would, would you blame someone if someone went through that and became a drug addict to deal with it you wouldn't blame um, them but life is for the living and again it comes back down to choices and what we've both said before tony robbins says it all the time you know we can't control what happens to us we can only control how we react and how we choose to react that doesn't mean we um disregard the pain the pain you feel and the emotions, you still have to honour them and process them and feel them, and that's okay. But you can't sit in that place. You can't that's just. I mean, that's why I say sit pain. In that place, but you're not going to get results in this life by design. If that's you want something different, you've got to do something different. And there is pain, and it is hard work. Yeah, pain is always the truth, Fatima. So I was trying to tell you, if something's, I mean, physical pain's easy, we can see it. Yeah. If someone's in a wheelchair and I see them fall down and they're crossing the road, fifteen people will go over there to help that person. Mm-hmm. If you see someone with a broken arm, uh, a broken heart, we can't see it. No. That person's walking past. It doesn't make a difference, and that, and that's and that's the sad part. Yeah, and it's that's masked. So. And, and uh, you know, like we're all carrying some sort of shape, way, or form, some emotional trauma or baggage. Yeah. Um, some of us are a lot better at working through it. Some of us are a lot better at 
having courage and self-belief to, you know, to better ourselves. And some of us aren't quite there. Um, you know, so my, my thing is just, just to have self-compassion, come from a place of positivity mm-hmm. within yourself, stop the self-negative talk, um, you know, use your intuition. You already know what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Go do things. And if you're one of these people that, you know, keep saying, I know, I know, I know what I need to do, yet you can't see it, well, I'm sorry, I'm calling you out on your bullshit. You don't know. Yeah. Or maybe you do know, but the, the other question is why? You know, you talk about asking questions, why aren't you doing it? If you know what you need to do, what is stopping you? What is the real reason? What is your real blockage for you to, to move forward and to actually take the action that's necessary? And sometimes it's just like, well, you don't want it. You don't want to change it enough. You know, sometimes, well, sometimes it does come down and you just don't want to change it's got it more benefits than it does letting go of it. Exactly. And, and some people don't even see that uh, sub- subconsciously. They don't. They're not aware of it. If I've mm-hmm. always got problems and I call you and say, Fatim, I'm having another bad day. Can I catch up for a coffee? You're there supporting me. You're there um, giving me your time. You're there giving me solutions. Now, if I let go of that subconsciously, I might start thinking or even consciously, Fatima won't want to talk to me. I've got no problems today. She doesn't want to see me. Mm. And I just see that. That's happening a lot in life where people and hold you know on what? to this. People can mean well but also enable this behavior. So call, being one of those friends that calls you on your BS, which is what I am blessed to have friendships myself like that and, you know, like to think that I am that sort of a friend where it's just like, well, okay, this is where you're at. We've talked about this over and over and over. Why aren't you making a change? What's going on for you? You know, this is rubbish. You keep telling me that this is what you want to do, but your actions are telling me something different. So what's going on for you right now? That's you know, what's underneath the surface? Like you said, okay. deep dive. When you do that, what do you normally get yourself? What do I get from them? Yeah. Oh, we, we unpack it. We get to the root cause. You know, I ask them questions that they have to consider. Because it's, it so much, it's so much easier to do to someone else, right? Sometimes you need someone to do that to yourself, ask you those hard questions to work out what's going on. It comes back down to guilt and fear because I believe that psychosomatics, um, like dealing with, you know, most, most things for me always come down to uh, fear of failure and guilt. Oh, absolutely. Almost 100% of the time it will be associated with, with fear more than guilt and sometimes guilt particularly for for mums but there's always fear of what people think fear of rejection fear of not being enough fear of not being accepted fear of failing in front of people so much fear you know the only thing i fear is never living up to my full potential yeah well that's a good thing to fear because that that drives you i had that i mean when i opened up my own gym i I had those thoughts what if no one comes what if everyone laughs at me what if i lose all my money yeah and i'd simply again just said what happens if you never try yeah and you never know what what could have been, and that's that can be applied to any area of a person's life, career, health, fitness, business, entrepreneurs, relationships. That's question at the time where I needed it the most. Otherwise, I can sit there and dwell and go, well, what if people don't come? What if I lose all my money? And, and what if they know, do come? I'm sitting there for a month thinking about those things. What's happening to my business? What I would say to that is ask a better question. You know, questions are the answers. There is a book, questions are the answers, and it's asked to ask a better quality of question. You want a better answer? Ask a better quality of question. You know, what if it fails? What if it doesn't? What if I don't make any money and I lose my money? What if I, I'm, you know, exceed my goals? What if, you know, I, I can't make rent and I get kicked out? What if I'm able to buy that building? Mm. You know, it's 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 perspective changing. Like I've done a lot of mindset courses, um, and what I tend to see is a lot of people they redo these courses, they get on all these highs, and and, and you know, I'll, I'll see them again in a year's time, and they've still got the same problems. Yeah. Yep, same. It's they're just not implementing, and it's the implementation that's that's blocking. Yeah. Uh, and again, what does it come down to, mate? It's got to come down to fear. 
100%. One of my coaches calls it permafrost. There's a permafrost inside you and that's what's what's stopping you. It's just another way of, I guess, referring to, to the fear. And we've all got it. The only difference is what people do to push past it. And the thing with fear is the more you do it, the more often you do it and the more you do it, the easier it gets to go, oh, yeah, that's fear. She's back again. Let's go. Oh, yeah, that's fear. She's back again. Let's go. I got to a point in my life where I, you know, I used to have so much fear. It absolutely controlled me. But I got to the point where I went, oh, this is a challenge. Instead of like I'd, I'd fear, feel the fear, but then go, great, this is confirmation that I'm on the right path because I'm feeling so uncomfortable, so out of my comfort zone. So this means I'm going in the right path. So thank you for confirming that. Let's go. Do you feel like that happens um, sometimes when you're, like it's the universe as well? Like does it happen sometimes when you're like, like what you just said, when you're on your path and you, and you see it coming and it's like, here it is again, it's just testing me? Uh, definitely. I also feel on a spiritual level, and whether people believe this or not, that's completely up to them. But on a spiritual level, sometimes I feel as though I've got a purpose, I've got a, a message and, and a mission and change one life to change many. There's 10 million lives that we're changing with this podcast. And sometimes I feel as though there is something trying to knock me off course because I am making an impact. So I just go, thank you. Well you have for confirmed that. I'm doing the right thing because you're trying so hard to knock me off my course. And that mm. just reinforces I am absolutely on the right path and absolutely doing the right thing. Which then goes back to me saying you're asking yourself better questions. You're, you know, yeah. you're doing all those rules for change and, and, and that self-awareness to go, you know what, I know you're here. I know what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're not going to beat me. So, I mean, whoever's listening out there today, if you know, start implementing half the things that we just said and I guarantee that, you know, your life's going to be in a lot better shape. Um, Even if then, they implement two or three things, pick two or three nuggets. Don't get overwhelmed. Pick two or three things yeah. and just start implementing them. I guarantee you it will have an exponential um, result in your life. Yes. Yeah. Ask those questions. Uh, and like I said, meditation, um, you know, especially for men, um, you know, I, I do believe um, women maybe are more connected with that mm. um, than men. And I'm not saying I don't mean that in a, in a discriminative way. I just find that, that men maybe would struggle more with uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. Guys, it doesn't need to be like I say, like zenning out on a, on a on a on a you know a flying carpet. Um, find <laughs> something, find something that just immerses you in that moment. Um, and look, I I follow Wim Hof, and Wim Hof's got this amazing breathing technique that mm-hmm. I do every morning. Where it's breathe. I mean, it's on YouTube. It's free. Look at it. Um, Wim Hof, W I M H O F. You know, the Iceman. Um, where you breathe in through your stomach, you breathe in through your lungs. And then you breathe in through your through your brain. That's got more oxygen in there. He mm-hmm. says pretty much do 30 of them a day. Um, and then on the 30th one, you hold your breath. I'm up to a minute 30 so far. Um, you know, this guy can hold his breath for 20, 20, uh, two hours. He's and, ridiculous, isn't he? <laughs> and look, I've just started implementing this in the last couple of weeks and already I'm, I'm feeling amazing. So yeah. um, and then what that takes me no more than 10 minutes every morning. I've got a couple of other um, previous guests who who do follow Wim Hof's um, breathing technique as part of their their morning routine. So, Con, it has been absolutely amazing. There is so much gold and treasure in this. Um, I can't wait to I can't wait to actually publish this episode and share it out with everybody. Um, where can people connect with you if they want to follow you and get some more of what you're doing? How do they connect and where's the best Absolutely. place to find we've you? Got, we've got our website www.procospersonaltraining.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram Con Procos, follow me there. Hey, how about even better? You come and see me at the gym at 179 Port Road, Queenstown. 
Yeah. And there are um, a lot of listeners in Adelaide. So for the people who are in um, in Australia and Adelaide, because we've got listeners all over the world, you know, in yeah. Russia and Brazil yeah. and USA and lots of my beautiful um, friends and clients and people in South Australia. So uh, yeah. I will pop all of that down in the show notes. Thank you so much, Con. Yeah, you know, even, even with uh, my wife, Mari, Mari, as well. So, I mean, get on with her, show her some love and support as well. She's doing amazing things herself. Um you know, I'm so proud of how far she's come as well. She never had the luxury of working at a, a commercial gym, so she's mm-hmm. delved straight into this. Yeah. Um, you know, she's smashing out sessions after sessions. She's doing all the group training. Um, so, yeah, um, get on to her. She's had four kids. She's living it. She's breathing it just like I am. Um, a gorgeous and, person. Yeah, and, so, you know, again, thank, thank you for the opportunity, Fatima. Um, you're an amazing person. Um, and I'm truly blessed and, and grateful for the, your opportunity. And it's been great knowing you over the time. And I think um, just as, as we evolve, our friendship will just get stronger and better. So thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you're doing an amazing thing with, with your kids, mate. So you keep it up. So I'm always inspired by seeing awesome parents. Thank so, you. I so appreciate great. it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully, a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today, and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.